introducing the Dark Girl Boss Podcast for the melanated woman and girl across the globe. Unlock your genes of greatness. Feel powerful within the skin you are in. Love your unique DNA through our stories, facts, original narratives, quotes and poems. Join me, your host, Khadija Ward, on all major podcast platforms. Feel great and do great with the Dark Girl Boss Podcast, not to be missed. Welcome, 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 Empresses, to the Dark Girl Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Khadija Ward, and this is episode nine, the final chapter, Do or Die. Now, this week's podcast is based upon my book, Black Sterling, which is all about economic unity. Last week, Tuesday, I was invited on the show, Hidden Truth, and that's a show by one of our phenomenal kings that is doing great things in the community. I'm sure you all know him, brother Andrew Mohammed, the investigator, aka Papa G. This week's episode is the actual recording of my presentation on the hidden truth. So fasten your seatbelts, people. Here we go. Brothers and sisters, we've got another guest speaker. This sister, Chad, don't let me don't let me start, man. This sister here, Sister Khadija Ward. Oh my God, this sister don't play. This is the sister that took on Hugo Boss. All of you know Hugo Boss, international multinational company. They tried to step to this sister. Oh my gosh, they didn't realize who this sister was. She beat their backside coming and going. She's also done, she's also an author of many books, many different businesses, an entrepreneur, par excellence. She's done this book, Black Sterling, Black Sterling. And this is the sister that I want to end off tonight's show. Sister Khadija Ward is one of the best in the business. My God. How you doing, my queen? Oh, greetings, greetings, King. Thank you so much for allowing me on your platform. I was just listening to the sister, which incidentally, um, that sister, I met her about five years ago. We was both at the same show and we we swapped books. I was promoting Black Sterling. She was promoting her books and we swapped books. And then I gave her book to my granddaughter. Yes. So I know that sister. Yeah. I know that really? sister. Oh, yeah. You you two are like dynamic duos, man. Okay, we've got over 380 people on laptops, coming up to 380, I should say. And I, that doesn't include those who are on um, their tablets and phones and other devices. Since we've got hundreds waiting for you now, my queen, I'm well, going to shut up, sister. It's all yours. All yours. Well, I just want to say greetings to all my family from across the globe. Greetings and thank you so much for coming on the platform, this wonderful platform of um, Brother Andrew and, you know, taking your time out to listen to. My talk is based on um, my book, Black Sterling, uh, the black print of um, economic self-reliance and collective black wealth um, and systems of white supremacy with actions to achieve unity. And it was published in 2017. And that's what kind of my, my talk is 
based around because uh, Black Sterling, even though it was published in 2017, it's actually still relevant very much today. Um, and the first um, chapter is about who controls the system that controls you. So it's all about the systems that we live under, um, you know, but we're oblivious to the extreme damage that they cause us as a people. And these systems are the reason we cannot obtain economic and political power, you know. So I'm going to talk a bit about that. So before I start, I'll just say that when we speak of wealth and, you know, wealth education, it tells you how to create wealth, yeah? But that teaching alone is incomplete. Because without knowledge of his story, and when I say his story, I mean the story of um, the oppressor, his story, our story, our politics, and indeed the supreme systems that we live under, without knowledge of those vital components, we as a people won't know how to use wealth once we attain it, we just won't know how to use it. And evidence of that is in our average black celebrities. We have billionaires and multimillionaires in our celebrities, but their wealth isn't used collectively because they're not allowed to. And I personally believe that they are instructed not to. Yeah, they're not allowed to unite or elevate the black race morally or economically, they can enjoy their wealth themselves and as individuals and maybe with their family, but they can't do anything to enhance the black community as a whole. You know, so where are the infrastructures, the big businesses and industries created by black celebrities? They don't exist. And this demonstrates that they are politically unaware and they lack knowledge of self. So. Just let that sink in. Let that sink in for a moment. We have big money, but we don't have collective wealth. Let that sink in for just one moment. Yeah. So when I wrote um, Black Sterling, I'm going to refer to it, you know, just a, a, a few times through through the um, presentation because it's relevant. And it's, but <clears throat> anyway, um, when I wrote Black Sterling, I posed the question to the reader on the first page, which is entitled if law was passed. And I'm just going to read this quickly. It's just one short paragraph. Let me read it to you. Yeah. So it says, if law was passed tomorrow, stating we are no longer housing black people on our council estates. We are not lending black people money for mortgages. We are not allowing black people to shop in our supermarkets. We are not allowing black people to work in our corporate plantations. That's the nine to five. How would you survive? Yeah. So that, that's, the, that's the question that I was asking um, for the readers of the book. And it's asking that because it's asking you where your power is. Yeah. We've come to realize that we have no power or control over the fundamental things that we, we rely upon to survive as people. So that's what that's that's asking you. Stop and think. Yeah. All of the things that you rely upon as a people, your food, the basics, is someone else's controlling. So if they then stopped it, how would you survive? So take a moment to let that sink in. Yeah. So that's just one question. That's something that I asked in Black Sterling, but I'm asking you now to let that think in because we actually need to stop and think rather than just continuing to just go on in life oblivious to what's happening. We need to actually step back and take stock of what's happening to us and think about our lives and how we're living. So that was the question. That's why I, I posed that question uh, in Black Sterling. So like, little kind of sound bites to think about. Yeah. So another question that I have for you to ask yourself. Do you own land? Do you own the land that your house is built upon? Yeah. Do you own land? Period. Do you grow your own food? What do you consider wealth and how much of it do you actually own? Is it physical or is it digital? Yeah. Again, these are little sound bites. Think about it. Think about it. 
Do you own your own land? Do you own the land that your house is on? Do you grow your own food? All these necessities, yeah? Think about it. The next matter is, do we understand the links between white supremes, the white supremacist systems, politics, and economics? Because if we don't, we will never achieve collective power as a nation. Let me say that again. If we don't understand the links between the white supremacist systems, politics, and economics, we will never achieve collective wealth as a nation. Yeah? And I'm going to show you why. But before I do, excuse me, can I tell you, I've always loved money. As a child, I always loved money. When I was seven, and you believe it, seven years old, I loved money. My father asked me what I wanted for Christmas. And I said, I want a cash register. So he got the cash register for me with a post office. And I would play with that money in that cash register all day long, just playing around with the money, you know, loving the money, playing it, feeling it. I loved it because I knew what it could achieve. I lived at that time, I lived in Highbury. I grew up in Highbury, which was a money area. Um, and uh, it was in my auntie's and uncle's house. They owned a big house and me and my, my um, parents and my siblings, we lived in one room within that house. And uh, most of my friends, they were white and they had money. They had cottages in the country, big house, new car, etc. And what I realised at that young age is that white people have and black people do not. Because I saw the poverty around me with people that looked like me and the people that didn't look like me who were white, they had. And, but I had no idea why. But I actually wanted to be white. I told my mother I wanted to be white. And the reason was, I thought that that was the only way I could have money. And you're talking about a seven or eight-year-old child here. Just think about the mentality. It's, it's because we see things in a literal sense. We see things literally how they are. So I'm seeing, oh, you have, and you're white. We're black. We don't have. So white means have. Black means doesn't have. So you see things in a literal sense when you're children. And, you know, that's how I saw things. But as I said, I always loved money. Um, you know, and when I went to school, the idea, because I, obviously I was educated within this system. Yeah, most of us are. And um, the idea of people, of white people having, was cemented in history lessons, where we learned of kings and queens such as Henry VIII, Sir Walter Raleigh, and all them people there, you know, and so on. And Queen Elizabeth I of Great Britain, who I learned about in school also, and I know, I mean, I'm sure you did, I know I did, um, that image was portrayed to me as one of extreme power, wealth, and royalty, inverted commas, yeah, but it was it was it was a powerful image that we was given in schools about this, this person, these people. And the reason I'm talking about her is that she was the architect of the old economic world order framework, Queen Elizabeth I. She was that. So without boring you with a history lesson, you know, I've only got 40 minutes, not like three hours. Queen Elizabeth I dripping in her stolen gold and her jewels from the motherland and her fine clothes, bearing in mind she never used to wash. Yeah, but that's another story <laughs> for enough time. Through convert operations in the UK, they enslaved more Africans than the US. They placed our ancestors across the Caribbean, which was a profitable centre for British slavery. African Holocaust built the British Empire and the first ever enslaved African voyage conducted by Britain was personally financed by Queen Elizabeth I. Why am I telling you this? Because that was the beginning of the oppressive economic systems that we live under today. The enslavement of your ancestors was a business. Hear me, it was a business for the West to profit from through 
secret societies, politics, specially designed economic systems. The West rule and we as a people are prevented from being part of it. We are only allowed to feed it. We are the oil that feeds the system, the economic system. That is us. That's who we are. That's how we've been placed. The royal family, you know, I'm going to keep using the inverted commas when I talk about the queen or the royal family, you know, they're royal. We call them royal, but as far as I'm concerned, they're not. But yeah, the royal family of the UK, they're a business. They are a company. They stick together as a family because the strength is in family. They're a business. They draw their resources from Africa, you know, from stealing, from the UK um, taxation system, and they wield their power over the masses. They are a company, the firm. That's who they are. Um, And it's all through the economic systems that they've built up from centuries ago, which has been passed down to them as generational wealth. Yeah. So they're a company. That's what they are, the royal family. Um, and they're just one example. But I think there are there are major examples used. That's why I'm using them. And I'm well aware that um, Elizabeth II, the late Queen of, Eng- Queen of England, only drank water from Sierra Leone. It was delivered from Sierra Leone to her. That's the only water that she drank. And if you believe she paid for it, you're mistaken. She didn't pay for that. Tony Blair, the ex-Prime Minister of um, UK, owns a gold mine in Sierra Leone. Yeah. So they have all the all the, the you know, the econ- the power, <clears throat> excuse me, and the wealth from us. Um, and we know the Queen, this is how it works in the UK for brothers and sisters that aren't, you know, in the UK, they may not know that the, the Queen formally appoints the Prime Minister. So the Monarchy and politics are clearly linked. Yeah. When I was studying law, I was studying politics as well. Politics was part of, it was part of it that I had to study. I had to study politics and law and the monarchy and all that came up in with it. So it's all interlinked. Yeah. And so the so-called elite schools that all the UK prime ministers have attended, such as Eton, Oxford, Cambridge. Yeah are created for the children of the elite to to train them to conserve conserve the economic systems, yeah, through business and politics. And notice that I said conserve, excuse me, which is the name of the main UK party, conservatives. They are conserving economic systems and power. That's what they're doing. The banking systems are businesses of which the controllers of the economic system profit from. We, the people, Joe Bloggs, finance the banking systems, but we don't own banks because you have to be part of their secret societies in order to get access. And being black is the first criteria of exclusion. I know of a brother. I can't remember that brother's name now. I've forgotten the brother now. Just a young brother. He couldn't be more than about 30 years old. Yeah, some years back, he did everything in his power to try to open a bank in the UK. And he was refused every step of the way. He was turned down for whatever reason. And that's because he didn't fit the main criteria. You cannot be black. Bankers and politicians work hand in hand. Remember the UK bailout of the banks in 2008? You know, when the banks lost all the money, the banks closed down, you couldn't get your money. It's all nepotism. It's all nepotism. But you have to be part of the secret society in order to be part of that club. And we don't fall into that criteria. And the systems are set up to ensure that we don't fall into it. It's all designed. And I've worked in the corporate plantation and I've had businesses where I've needed government contracts. But the system is so rigged that I could not meet the criteria. The Olympics, for example, we, we all remember when London won the, the bid for the Olympics. You know, I thought, right, great, I'm going to earn some money for my business now because there was so much millions, you know, that, that uh, businesses um, could be awarded, yeah? So I put my bid in to deliver training and I fell at the first hurdle. 
because my turnover, which was quite healthy, it was about 70K. I was only a new business. But it didn't, it didn't meet the required amount. They know that black businesses struggle to grow and they put these obstacles in place to ensure you do not grow. This is part of the economic warfare that we live under. We, as a people, have to realise we are in a war. And the end game is global economic and political power and control. And if we do realise we are actually in a war, then the question is, how are we supposed to win? How can we attain power? Yeah, if we don't know we're in a war. Economic warfare is what has been going on for centuries under our noses. And they use weapons of mass destruction in order to maintain political and economic power. The weapons of mass destruction are embedded and dispersed within the white supremacist system that you and I live under. Weapons of mass destruction is war on the black nation from the perspective of family, health, wealth, food, and economics. Weapons of mass destruction is what it says on the tin, weapons of mass destruction. And in this case, the mass destruction is against you. And it's extremely strategic. As you and I go about our daily business oblivious, there is a strategic war being plotted and executed against you and I. And the main aim of this war is to disempower you and have you as slaves. Yeah. Whoever controls the people controls the resources and controls the world. And that is the aim of the West. That's what they're doing now. And they intend to maintain it. I'm breaking this down to you as you have to understand um, everything that you take for granted in your life is a weapon against you to prevent your economic and political rise. One of the main weapons is the destruction of the family. So we don't have collective wealth because that equals power. Um, the whole system is based on money and power, and we don't have it. We don't have it. The family, <clears throat> excuse me, and unity working together and creating that wealth and creating empires, that's what you do when you're family. And then that transfers into the community. The mindset is building with my partner and then my family and then the community. Thereafter, wealth is transferred. So when you have your parents passed, then the wealth is passed on to the children and so on and so on. But if we don't have that wealth to begin with, there's no wealth to transfer, is there? There's no empire building, yeah? We're kept poor in so many different ways through economic warfare and the weapons of mass destruction. They align them in different parts, different segments, and it all comes as one big weapon. They're stopping us from being powerful. They're stopping the unity. They're stopping the wealth. Because empire building is about when you byproducts and services from your own. Then you help that business to grow. It goes from a small business to um, a medium business to a large business. But our mindset, because of the weapons of mass destruction, is that we don't really support each other. We don't really buy each other. We don't, you know, do enough to excel each other's business so that we can't create massive industry. We don't have big chain stores, big store chains. We, we you know, we we don't you know, um, support each other in that way. But again, the weapon is to create disunity so we don't support each other. The powers that be know that we that were we to unify economically, we would rule the world, period. So it's all about stopping the unity. Yeah, that is number one. So destroy the family, again, that's the first destruction of the unity, because that's where the power starts. In the US, I just have to tell you this, because um, I just I do a lot of research and, you know, I listen to my brothers and sisters, you know, in England, across the globe. I listen, I hear what they're saying. And a sister reported that um, shortly um, after the civil rights struggle, all of a sudden black people were given this free thing from America from the society, which was abortion. 78% of free abortion clinics were placed in black and urban areas for the purpose of something free, allowing you, the black woman, to abort your child 
and also give you contraceptives to stop you having children. They have strategically created a plan to reduce the population of black flaming, and that's by putting clinics in black neighborhoods in America to, you know, depopulize and kill babies. The other part of the family, again, is the same weapon aimed at the family, removing the father from the home. Because having a loving family, that's where it starts from. As I said, you build up from there. So you remove the father, you have a broken family, single parents, that struggle to raise the children, all, you know, and all that comes with all other problems. I know I was a single parent. So, you know, I'm talking from experience. I know what that's like. And the welfare system was one that was used in America where you could get money if you were a single parent. But even in England, it's the same thing in the UK. If you're a single parent, you receive more welfare money. So, you know, making the father so he wasn't a provider. So preventing, also preventing him from getting jobs and those things that he could provide for his family. So in the eyes of his partner or his wife, he just becomes someone that's a nuisance. He's not, he's not very useful, you know, and she could be better off without him. And, you know, um, and even he sometimes doesn't want to commit to a family. These are all weapons that they use psychologically and practically. And I'm only going over them briefly because I've only got 40 minutes. I ain't got three hours. But I'm just giving you a brief synopsis of all of these individual weapons that stop us from uniting in economically and politically. Yeah? We've been made to think that male figures aren't substantially important to the family. And do you, do you know how powerful this war is? That is power, man. That's power. And we have to understand it for what it is. We have to realize what it is, the, the weapons that they're using. We have to understand it and we have to demobilize it. We have to destroy them. The weapons, I mean, yeah? It makes us think in particular ways so, so that we don't have unity. Yeah, I've spoken about this before. Emperor and empress, unity equals power. That's what it does. And they know, those in power know that once they separate the man, the woman, the family, there's no family. Once that's broken, they know that there's no unity and our power is essentially gone. If you don't have unity in your home, then it's unlikely it's going to transfer to community because it all starts in the family. That's the mindset. So they do everything they can to break up the family. Yeah. We're all aware of the drug, drug academic, epidemic, excuse me, in the 80s, specifically designed to make us become dysfunctional drug addicts. In terms of our food, I'm, going, I'm, I'm jumping here. In terms of food, we don't grow our own food. We rely upon supermarkets, our presses to feed us. And a scientist, a white man, actually, called Mike Adams, Google him, go on YouTube, you'll find him, yeah? He's done many talks on how they weaponize food to make the black man and woman sterile and make us unhealthy so we contract major diseases like cancer and et cetera, yeah? So they do all of that. Again, these are all these different weapons. We don't own land. The land that our houses are built on are owned by the Queen. Yeah, we've probably, we've had, many of us have had mortgage. We're so happy we've got mortgage, we're in our house, but do we actually own the house? We're paying the mortgage until we're like 70, yeah? Do we actually own the house? No, we actually don't. We're renting it, yeah? And I know, um, going back to businesses, if you go into the US, in the US, yeah, in black neighborhoods, the businesses are mainly, if not solely, Asian-owned, yeah? So we give, we're giving our money to Asian people. And then what Asian people do, which anyone does, which anyone would do, quite rightly so, they take their money out and put it in their own neighborhood. They spend it in there, so we lose. So the money that we're pouring in doesn't actually come back, yeah? So that's our economic power that's been taken away. But this, again, is all strategic. They are placed there strategically. So. They are made to be able to, they're not allowed to go into white neighborhoods. Like Asian businesses aren't allowed to predominantly operate in white neighborhoods, but they're allowed to do it in black neighborhoods in the US. And even over here, we, you know, we see a lot of that in, in our neighborhoods, in our um, areas as well. But in America, I know specifically, 
they are given um, they're given loans to set up businesses, but they have to set them up in black neighborhoods. This is what I'm telling you about the power of their strategy and the weapons that they use against us. You have to realize what these weapons are. We have to know what they are. We have to know. And again, there's the prison system. Again, it's a business. I like to call it from the cradle to the jail, you know, because we're taught in the, we're taught in their schools, in their systems, and then we're moved through that. We're shuttled through it as commodities, and our lives become destroyed as we go into. We go from we get excluded from school. We don't do well. Then we go to jail again, brief, but it's all part of the weapons. The nine to five corporate plantation. We face race discrimination about our skin color and what that color represents. We have to fight for jobs and acceptance. And we may ask ourselves, you may ask yourself, what does this have to do with economics, all of these things? It has everything to do with economics. Because whilst we're busy fighting to be accepted in the workplace and schools, shouting, Leroy isn't allowed to wear his locks. Really? I ask the question, why is Leroy in school in the first place? Why do we put our children through a system we know is inherently racist and they, will they won't prosper or succeed going through that system, you know? And now they have children saying, I can be a cat. I can be a dog. If I'm a boy, I can be a girl. We have to stop. We have to actually stop and think we're putting our children through trauma that's abuse. It's trauma and abuse, and we have to stop it. But again, all of these are weapons of mass destruction, the economic warfare to stop us gaining power, the rise, the rise, the economic and political rise of the black man and woman and family. This is what this is, all of it, yeah? But we're distracted from the bigger picture, um, you know, which is we're being oppressed controlled politically and economically and we're not working to obtain self-reliance and collective black wealth and power um you know we shouldn't be begging for power we should be taking it i always say don't beg for power take it yeah we have to take it you can't ask the people that are oppressing you to uh, give you economic and political power it just doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. Yeah. We can't say, oh, please let my Leroy wear his hair in locks. Are you kidding me? You're asking permission. Take your Leroy out of the rough school, man. You shouldn't even be in there. Yeah. We shouldn't be asking them that. We need to be ourselves. Yeah. So we shouldn't be in a system where we know it's racist and they don't want us to be ourselves and they're trying to beat us down. We need to create our own. And then we don't ask nobody. Yeah, we become self-reliant. We ask nobody. That's how it should be. Take a look around at the black community um, in the UK, in the US, Europe, everywhere. Look at how we operate and you can see that this plan, the global plan, economic warfare, weapons of mass destruction is working because we don't have collective wealth. We don't have economic unity or political power. Therefore, their plan is working. It's working and it's working well for them. And we cannot attain political and economic power in the West. I'm going to say that again. We can't attain political and economic power in the West. But the only way we could do it, the only possible way is for there to be a complete revolution with bloodshed. I'm talking about all the rest of it, yeah, and overthrowing the government and the monarchy for control here. That's if we want to live here and be the boss here, yeah. But there's a more strategic way, and that's if we as a collective, the descendants of the kidnapped people, remove ourselves, yeah, from the oppressive white supremacist systems, unite together with our brothers and sisters in the motherland to create unity, create our own banks, create our own businesses, industries, create our own education, education systems, create 
our own economic systems, buy land, build a house, grow our own food, form our own societies and political parties, go back to where our ancestors were taken because it's actually where we belong. Ultimately, remove your money from the system. Stop feeding the system, yeah? I know it's hard for some people um, to think about, you know, going to the motherland. It's, it's drastic. It's because our mindset is oppressed. We're still in chains. So all we can see is, you know, I was born here. I have a right to be here. Yeah, we do have a right to be here, but is it working? No, it's not bloody well working. Yeah. So, you know, in our own environment, the motherland, we have access to resources, our own land to build a house and grow our own food, create good health, create wealth. You know, um, the next generation leader is our children. So we need to be teaching our children history, his story, because you have to know your opponent. So we have to teach them the story of the West, his story. We have to know our own story, politics, economics, practice collective economics and buy each other's products and services so we can build big industries. We can create Black Wall Street, yeah, replicas. Black Wall Street in the motherland. We don't need to create Black Wall Street here. Create it in the motherland. You know, last year, I spent six months in the motherland. It was Sierra Leone. Um, I've been to Gambia as well, but I spent most time in um, Sierra Leone. I actually thought I'd died and gone to heaven the first time I went to Sierra Leone. That's what I thought. Teach. I'm saying teach. Teach, sister, teach. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, my brother. Thank you. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. You know, uh, the quality of food, the level of my health, my skin, how easy it is to start business. You know, you can own you can own gold mines if you know the right people. You know, it's just so, you know, and which is something that we could do as a collective amongst our own people. You know, uh, you know, I was um, <clears throat> they only knew I was British when I opened my mouth and spoke. But I was amongst my own people. And I know that nobody is going to harass me because I was black, because the power structure was black. So why are they harassing me? You know, it's just I just felt that when I went there for the very first time, I felt that I'd arrived. I thought this is where I'm supposed to be. This is home. Yeah. And for me, that's how I felt. And as I said, it's just it's easy. It's easy to put obstacles in place to say why you shouldn't be in the motherland, you know, and why that's not where we should be building as an economic unit and political unit. But that's because we're, our mind is in chains. That's the reason, yeah? And we have to try to relieve our mind from the, the oppressive chains that we're in. And then once we see the light, we know we will know where we're supposed to be. You know, this is the final chapter. There is a new world order. Reorganization of the global economic system is coming, yeah? And we're still in a powerless position as a people. We're just sitting on the sidelines waiting for whatever is going to happen when we should be working to strengthen our political and economic stance as a united people in the motherland. And when I speak of removing ourselves and living in the motherland, people are like, no, I was born here. I have the right to be here. You know, you know, we're Africans. Yeah. And these are just excuses. And I see where there's a will, there is a way. You know, that's what I see. So, I mean, in conclusion, I would say the action steps, just small ones to obtain economic and political wealth as a unit, as a, as a collective, as a black people is, you know, for one, our own banking systems, like the partner, our parents wasn't allowed to bank, wasn't allowed to put the money in banks. We did the partner. We were good. When I was 17, I was doing the partner with some of my friends. I was good. You know, we're creating our, let's create our own banking systems. Teach your children to buy and save. And when I say buy and save, I don't mean money because that paper, soon it's not going to be worth crap for want of a better word, yeah? I'm talking about gold and silver. 
teach your children to buy gold and silver and save it. And gold and silver is not really expensive. You can get small, like, you can get, like, small bit of gold for about £70 or whatever. And, you know, kids go out and spend all that money on do whatever trainers or do whatever. Buy some silver or some gold and keep buying it and putting it away. Have something to barter with. When this money thing goes away, yeah, and they start controlling us through the digital system, have some commodities to barter with, such as your gold and your silver. So that's another thing, yeah? So, um, yeah, so educate your, your, your teacher's children to buy gold and silver, educate your children outside of the mainstream schools, yeah, because the mainstream schools are institutions of brainwashing, and we must know that by now. We can't say that we don't know that. We do know that. So we, might, we have to do something about it, yeah? Teach them about having businesses, yeah? Using their skills to create business. Teach them about our story. So all of this happens in our own economic institutions. Build your economic institutions and teach our children all this. Economics, let's take it black, not back. I said, let's take it black, yeah? Take it black in terms of industries that we feed, but we do not earn from, such as hair and beauty, yeah? That's our industry, but we're not rich because of it, yeah? Take those ones black, take it black. Teach your children to love their ancestors, their story, and believe in their innate genes of greatness. Let us create our own secret societies where we strategize our economic and political rise. Teach our children to, you know, and each other to dispel the fear. When you hear unite, self-reliance, collective black wealth, economic power, there's a resistance because it's a big change and we're living comfortably within a system. So we don't want to hear about all of those things, but we have to teach ourselves and our young people to dispel that fear. Let's take our children to visit the motherland to see for themselves the possibilities which are endless, yeah? There's plenty of us that do tours to the motherland. Let us get together and get it on. And my people, that's it for me for today. I hope you've enjoyed my presentation. I don't know how long it was, but I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've taken some from it, yeah? So I love you, my people. That's it for now. Sister, oh my goody gum drops. Sister, what did you... No, no, no. Brothers and sisters, no. Is it just me? Was that fire? No, Sister Angela says that was excellent. Sister, I want you to read... Um, if you're feeling Sister Khadija, remember you just said Sister Paula. Khadija just came with pure fire. Pure fire. Sometimes, brothers and sisters... You gotta just drop fire. You really just gotta drop fire. Oh my God, Khadija, other sister, I'm telling you tonight, three shredded wheats. Um, it's on me. It's on me. So don't worry about it. That was this sister. That was smelly. And those of you on here, you know what I mean when I say smelly. That was smelly, sister. Back. Oh wow. Back. Oh wow, sister, you let you let loose tonight, beloved, and I loved it. I absolutely love it. Sometimes we need that type of teaching, my queen. Yes, we do. Indeed, we do. You need some hardcore teaching. Sister, I want you to read that. I want you to spend time just reading stuff. Beloved, you heard it from sister. Yeah, that's the author of Black Sterling tonight. She did. The, I'm on fire right now. And what that sister spoke about, remember, this is Black Sterling, brothers and sisters. This is the author you heard tonight. This is the author you heard tonight. Jamie's been putting her contact details, her books onto this. She doesn't play. She's unapologetic. And you heard what she said? Where are we building in Africa? Where are we getting our own land? And that's what I'm saying. This is what we're doing on Hidden Truth. This is talking about it. This is what we're doing on Hidden Truth. This is our first settlement. So this ain't no play time, sisters. We are, we are doing what this sister said. Wow. She's the author of Black Sterling. And so she knows this is doing work all over Africa, too. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, this is why I'm so excited. And those of you that want to join Hidden Truth and what we're doing in um, the motherland, we ain't playing around. We're building as we, we're not just having online shows on the Tuesday. We are working behind the scenes, man. And we're going to build our own Wakanda. 
We're going to build our own Black Wall Street. We're going to build our own universities. We are in... I just got to say again, absolutely brilliant. You were fantastic. Hidden Truth loved you. Fire, facts, figures, the queen on action. Um, just checked you know, behind the scenes, read over 761 um, total users, over 760 um, on the platform tonight. And um, yeah, I just got to say thank you, thank you, thank you. This was exactly the type of show I wanted tonight. Bow to you and honour you always. Bless up. And definitely want to bring you back onto the platform without a shadow of a doubt, sister. It was bloody brilliant. Forgive my, forgive the term, bloody brilliant. Um, you, you were exactly on the, that's why I left you to the, be the last speaker. It was phenomenal, phenomenal. Yourself and Sister Paula. All right, let's just bless up, peace. Hey, Sis Khadija. Yesterday, when I knew you was coming on, you took your time. You should have been on that show from time and you certainly need to come back, Sis. Believe you me, powerful powerful beyond belief i think some people actually woke up yesterday you saved a few souls <laughs> most definitely without shadow of a doubt excellent 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 presentation and i can't wait to re-watch it because i'm um one of their paid up members so i get to view the um the replays so yeah when this one goes up i will be taking my pen and paper and making my notes most definitely. And I'm revisiting my Black Sterling book. I got it out to, to to assist me on my way to the plantation this morning. So, um, yes, yeah, sis. Yeah. Um, one question. Have you got it in audible form? That would be really gay, great, actually. And especially with your dulcet tones. That would be a real, a real soothing listen. Yeah. Okay. So if you want to purchase the book uh, Black Sterling, which is what the talk was based on, as a digital copy, you know, an ebook, go to my website, which is darkgirlboss.com, and see the link on the top of the page, the tab, one of the tabs at the top of the page. Click the link and you can get it from there. Um, and you can download it immediately once you purchase it. I was talking about exposing our young people um, to the motherland on the on the presentation on uh, the hidden truth to show our young people, the possibilities and their ancient story, yeah? So the possibilities of building and creating in the motherland, as well as their, you know, their, their story, to let them get a real um, feel of it. So um, that's the one takeaway I want for this week's podcast, the final chapter, Do or Die. Um, so I just want to add, um, as an action point is when I said we must expose our young people to the motherland to show them the endless possibilities, feel their story through the spirit of our ancestors and to show it as a viable place to live, the motherland that is, across the motherland, create and build as the next generation of leaders. Um, as I said, most of us do tours across the motherland so we can expose our children to this. Um, I myself have a tour company, which is called Genes of Greatness Tours, and that specialises in tours to the motherland. And this December, I've teamed up with another organisation to take um, people to the motherland um, in December 2023 on their carnival-style tour. So it's a it's a store, it's a tour that. Um, where you have a carnival like Notting Hill Carnival within the motherland and then you go to a few tour, you tour um, Sierra Leone, a few places across Sierra Leone. So these, this organisation does that annually and I've teamed up with them in order to do, expose um, our people to that. If you want more information about that, then you can either contact me on 07913 or you can go to my website, darkgirlboss.com, and click on the link at the top of the page, one of the tabs. It says Sierra Leone Tours, and find out more information there. Okay, so also, again, um, going back to our Brother Andrew, Brother Andrew Mohammed, whose um, show I was on, The Hidden Truth, He his organisation, um, West 
London Academy and Lewisham Academy are taking 20 children from their academies um, to the Gambia in February, I think it is, 2024. So they have some of the funds, but more is needed. So there's a fundraiser that's taking place. So if you want to be a part of that and assist in, you know, getting some of our young people to go to the Gambia, you go to eventbrite.co.uk, Young Leaders Academy goes to Gambia. So if you do that, if you go type that in the link or either just go to eventbrite.co.uk and then look up Young Leaders Academy goes to Gambia, you can get more information there. Another tour company is um, run by Angela and Yui Rose, and that's Agatours, A-G-A Tours, Agatours, and they go to Gambia and Tanzania. So I believe they're doing um, a couple of tours at the end of the year. So if you go to agatours.co.uk, you can get more info there. And finally, to add, um, I have a masterclass coming up, yeah, um, very soon, and that's called how to create Black Wall Street in the motherland. So keep a lookout for that. And that's just going to be, as what it says, helping us to create Black Motherland, uh, Black Wall Street in the motherland. So watch out for that. So until next time, my people, remember, don't beg for power. Take it. This is Khadija Ward, and I'm out. Introducing the Dark Girl Boss podcast. For the melanated woman and girl across the globe, unlock your genes of greatness. Feel powerful within the skin you are in. Love your unique DNA through our stories, facts, original narratives, quotes and poems. Join me, your host, Khadija Ward, on all major podcast platforms. Feel great and do great with the Dark Girl Boss podcast, not to be missed.